This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Brian Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Good morning, everybody. How are you today? If you're new here, I'm, I'm Pastor Brian. If you're joining us today for our baby dedication or our baptism, we are glad that you're here. Uh, it's going to be a great morning, and uh, we're going to have a great time, and I believe that uh, you will be blessed this morning. Amen. Well, I'm going to uh, read off some of the, the babies that are going to be dedicated, and as you are, your name is read off or your child's name is read off, you're welcome to come down here and uh, join me in the front, and you can just face that way. The first uh, uh, baby that's going to be dedicated today is Lawton Daniel Mendoza, and uh, his mom and dad is Daniel and Brittany Mendoza. Uh, next up is Milo Christian Danker. His parents are Christian and Paige Danker. And next we have Lennon Elise Spencer. And she belongs to Duncan and Heather Diamond. And then next is Jovi, Jovi Ryan Bramer. And uh, her parents are Justice and Jen Bramer. And uh, finally we have Dominic Michael Parrish. And his parents are Lance and Sydney Parrish. And so why don't you guys uh, just take one step forward and then face me and, and uh, we'll do it this way for a second and then I'll have you guys turn around. That's the favorite part you guys really, really are looking forward to doing, right? Yeah. Layton. Okay. Did I say something else? I apologize. I, you know, I went over these word, these names like 50 times. So if I, if I get it wrong, you know, just slap me or Layton. I'll get it, right? Guys, this is an awesome day, isn't it? These, uh, these little children that uh, we're coming here to dedicate. You know, today it, we're following the example of Jesus's life. And most importantly, we're here because of our faith in the birth of Jesus and his death and his burial and his resurrection. And uh, you know, baby dedication is a very biblical step. As we honor God in this way, I believe that God will honor you during this time in your life as, as these young children of yours are beginning their life. And, and uh, I believe that he'll honor you, he'll help you, he'll encourage you, he'll strengthen you. You know, we all need strength, right? If we, anybody that's had kids, sometimes we need strength, right? And so there's a divine destiny that's on each of their lives. And we have to understand that, that uh, you know, we may not know exactly what that is, um, but we have the privilege to mold and to shape them and to, you know, do our best, you know, in, in our dedication to their life and to that, to that destiny. And so today is just one of many steps. There's going to be multiple steps after this, but uh, it's a great step of, of dedicating them to the Lord. And so Deuteronomy 6 and 5 says that you uh, must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again and again. And if you have kids, anybody in here knows we have to repeat ourselves again. And sometimes it's like, oh, okay. So this guy, he had it right when he was writing this. But it says, talk about them when you are in home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up, tie them on your hands, wear them on your forehead as a reminder, write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And so it's saying that, you know, as we raise up our kids, it's a, it's a commitment to the Lord. It's not just, 
this one time. It's not just here. It's not just on Sunday morning. No, it's, it's a life that we live. It's, it's every single day of our lives that we're honoring God and we're, we're teaching them and we're training them and we're showing them, you know, when we come into different circumstances, maybe they're not positive circumstances. We're showing them that God is good and that he does care. And, and when, you know, we're showing him that, that, that God is good and that he loves us and he wants to set us free. He wants to open up our eyes. And so we're sharing this and we're, we're teaching them how to trust God. We're modeling it with our lives. I, you know, I'm not all there, but we, we are all in that, that process of, of modeling that and taking steps towards uh, showing that, that to them. And so Luke 2 tells us what happened the day that Jesus was dedicated and defines what we're here doing today. Number one is, is that we're presenting them back to God because we're stewards. We're stewards of their lives and we're stewards of everything that's given to us in life. It says uh, that in uh, Luke 2, 21, it says the eight days when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus and the name was given by the angel even before he was conceived. And then it was time for the purification offering as required by Moses, the law of Moses after the birth of a child. And so his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And that's what we're doing. We're presenting our children to the Lord. Number two is, is that we're praising God uh, for them. We're saying thank you. We're saying thank you for, for what it is that you've given to me. Simeon was there and he took the child in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. And so Simeon praised, the, praised God for Jesus. Number three, we're prophesying of a biblical future. We're speaking purpose into their lives. It says, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all of the people. He has a light to reveal to God the nations, and he is the glory of your people in Israel. And finally, we're passing a generational blessing on to our kids. We are, we are sure of God's blessing. This, this church is filled with generations of believers, our parents and our grandparents, and, 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 and we are generational church. And so that's what we're doing. We're passing that blessing. We're passing that knowledge down to these younger uh, these younger people, these younger children, these children that we have, maybe the children uh, that, that will come. We're passing that down. She agreed with me. And so as a church family, that's what we're doing. We're making a statement. And that statement is that Jesus' parents were amazed uh, at what was being said about him and Simeon blessed them. And so knowing your intent to dedicate your child today, would you answer we do to the following questions? And you guys can answer we do too, just to help out. Today, do you recognize that your child is a gift from God and give heartfelt thanks of God's blessing? Do you here this day dedicate them to the Lord who gave them? Today, before all of these witnesses, do you make a quality decision as parents to bring her and or him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? And do you here this day make the commitment to provide every possible benefit of home, education, and of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? And finally, on this wonderful day, do you ask God's blessing upon their life to guide and to guard and to direct them through all of their years? Okay, great. Rach, you wanna come up here? Okay, I want you guys to turn around and face 
the cameras and face your families. And we're going to pray. And I want you guys, I want everybody here to just uh, join us together. Just stretch out a hand because anybody that's ever parented or know, knows what's, you know, raise, <laughs> raising, they know what's up. That's right. So we're just agreeing together with these couples and with these families, and we're going to pray a blessing over their lives. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you today, and we just thank you, Father, for all of these families, these husbands and these wives and these children, Father, that, that we're dedicating to, to you, Father God. We just thank you, Father, for their life. We thank you, Father God, for uh, just the plan and the purpose and the destiny that you've placed upon each and every one of them, Father. And we just thank you, Lord, for helping these parents to raise them and, and train them and show them and be an example of, of your love and your goodness today, Father. Father. And we just thank you, Father, for just, just the great destiny of, of, of you on their lives, the plan and the purpose for them. And we thank you, Father God, that when they're old, they will make a choice to follow after you and to serve you with all of their heart and with all of their strength. We just thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, hey, we love you guys. We love your children. We're a family church. Aren't we a family church? Let's give it up for these, these great couples and these great families. Smile for the cameras. I'm not going to be a part of that. You guys may be seated. Let's give them one more hand as they go. As a parent of four children, I know how much you need all the help that you can get. Amen. Isn't God good? I'll tell you what, he is so good, and his mercies endure forever, amen? Well, hey, I, uh, I have a great word for you today, and I hope that you picked up uh, some notes when you walked in, because I believe that, uh, you know, when you, when you pick up a note and when you pick up a pen or pick up a piece of paper, maybe you don't have the notes that were handed out, it's, it's telling the Lord, Lord, I, I want you to speak to me. It's saying in your heart, Man, I'm here to receive. I'm here to receive of what it is that you have for me. I don't take this time lightly. And you need to understand that, you know, I, I've prepared, you know, in my heart, I've prepared in this time, but there's something more. There's a work that, that the Lord will do in your life. The Holy Spirit will absolutely speak to you, uh, and he'll say things to you that, that I may not sp speak through my mouth, but he'll speak to you, uh, uh, to your heart directly about things in your life that he wants you to change or to adjust. Why? For your benefit. He wants you to grow. He wants you to develop. He wants you to receive better. He wants you to be blessed. There may be things that, that you need help overcoming. He has the answer. And so today we're just going to pray and then we'll get started. Amen. And it'll be a good morning. Amen. Father, we just come before you today. We thank you for this time where we can come and look at your word. We know that your word is powerful. We know that your word is the only thing that will change us from the inside. And so we just thank you, Father God, for this time. We, we don't take it lightly. We honor you in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, there were some great football games yesterday. Can I get a witness? How many of you guys is your team won? Okay, I got a few. How many of your teams lost? Yeah. <laughs> well, we got a few. Got a few. Got a few people that uh, some won and some lost. And I asked this question to a couple friends of mine because I asked this question of one of my friends who's, who's you know, a, an avid, avid, avid 
Iowa fan. And I said, what, what was the difference maker for Iowa this year? Because, you know, they lost last year. I just want to remind that friend of mine. You know, what was the difference maker yesterday versus what happened a year ago? And he said that it was the new quarterback. That was the difference maker. And he followed that text up a few minutes later with, there's a few studs on defense. I don't know what that means. I wasn't watching the game. I was looking at my notes. But anyway... There was the difference maker. He, he qualified the quarterback as the difference maker in that game. You know, I watched the Colorado game because there's all this rave about Deion Sanders. And so, you know, I was watching that. And I would have to say that for Colorado and how they've lost a lot through the years, the difference maker is what? It's Deion Sanders and it's his son and it's this other guy that can play both ways and and not even be faced. It's the difference maker. And so, you know, when we think about this, there's other things in our minds. Maybe you may not care about football. You might be sitting there thinking to yourself that, who cares? But, but there is a difference maker in your life. There's, when, when we think about this idea of it, what is a difference maker, we can a, there's absolutely things that come to our mind. Some of us, it might be the fact that, that, that you gave your heart to Jesus and, and that was the difference maker. And absolutely for all of us, that, would be, that is the ultimate you know, difference maker in our lives. Maybe for some of you, you might think to yourself, well, I stopped doing something years ago. That was the difference maker. Or maybe you are are, are thinking to yourself, you had an unhealthy habit that you stopped and that was a difference maker in where it is that you are today. Maybe you began to exercise or run. Uh, Maybe you finished school. Maybe you discontinued a relationship and you can point back to that being a, a difference maker in your life. Now, when we sit here today, you might be thinking to yourself, you know, that there's a difference maker. If I had more money, that would make a difference in my life. Maybe it's a better job. Maybe it's uh, um, popularity or having success in something or, or winning or having a friendship. If I had this, this would make the difference. We think that. We think that way. We think that way daily. I, and, and um, you know, as I thought about this whole idea of a difference maker, the one thing that came to my mind, I don't know why, it's probably the Holy Spirit. Actually, who knows? It's probably just me. But was when I was little, I played Monopoly. And I loved Monopoly. Now, my wife, she shares a different story. It's somewhat painful that uh, that's not one of the highlights of our marriage was playing Monopoly together. But when I was younger, I enjoyed playing Monopoly. And uh, when I played Monopoly, there there was one set of properties that I wanted. And so, can anybody guess what my set of properties was that I wanted? Boardwalk and Park Place. I wanted those with everything. I mean, the minute that the game started, I'm like, if I can just get those, if it's going to be the difference maker. It's going to help me to win. And if I can get those, I can get high rent. I can put all this stuff on it and I can win the game because I am competitive and I want to win. It's the difference maker, Right? Right, my mom is unanimously saying that. If I get those things, I will win. It will be the difference maker. What is the difference maker that you need? What is the difference maker that you need? Sometimes I think though, that when it comes to the difference maker, we get it wrong. We do, we get it wrong. Because here's what I found out. This was a point that was added to my message when I Googled this. I Googled, 
What are the best properties to have in Monopoly in order to win? And would you know that Park Place and Boardwalk are not on the list? I couldn't believe it. I've lived my whole life. I've played this game strategically, thinking in my mind that Boardwalk and Park Place would be the difference maker. Can you believe that? Listen to this. I brought it for you. The probability of landing on Park Place and Boardwalk is 30% less than any other property on the board. Did you guys know that? You guys are gonna go home and play Monopoly today, aren't you? They co the cost is too high to develop and therefore you have a slow return on your money. Monopoly veterans may differ in their opinion about some of the other properties, but they will all agree on one fact. The orange places are the best properties in Monopoly. Can you believe that? I couldn't even believe it. I spun around in my desk chair. I couldn't even believe it. This whole time, I've been living my life thinking that these two properties are the difference maker in that game. And they're not. It's the orange ones followed by the green ones. So when you all go home today and you get around the family table, because you guys are all going to do that, you're gonna play Monopoly and you're gonna strive not for the blue ones, but for the orange and the green ones. And you're thinking to yourself, what is, what is the point? The point is sometimes the difference maker in our lives, we get it wrong. So whatever it is that you're sitting there today thinking, when it comes to that, that difference maker, I just want you to open up your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, what is, what, what, what is that real difference maker in my life? Because, because we, all, we can all agree that Jesus is the ultimate decision or difference maker in our lives. For, for you, there may be something though that, that, that you feel like in your heart would be a difference maker, but there is a difference maker in our lives, and it, but it may not be what you think. Today, what I wanna talk about, the difference maker in our lives is character. It's character. And, and you need to know that character is king. We've got the students in here, uh, you know, and, and uh, there, it doesn't matter if you're young, if you're old, if you are a believer in the Lord, you, you may not even believe or know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You may be a non-believer and that's okay. Or you may be a believer, uh, you may be rich, you may be poor, it does not matter Character in your life is absolutely king. Your character determines your destiny. Each step of obedience leads to ever-growing and ever-maturing character, and the very character and the likeness of Jesus. You guys remember in the Bible, in the Old Testament, I mean, if, if you've known the Lord for any time or been in this church, you've often heard, uh, you know, the children of Israel. You've heard stories about the children of Israel and how God had a destiny on the, the nation of Israel. And he wanted them to move, right? They were in the land of Egypt. They were in bondage. They were in, you know, uh, they were not living God's best. And God was trying to get them to understand through, through different men that he wanted to move them from a land of not enough to a land of more than enough. And so there was this move that took place, you know, that, that, that needed to happen in order for them to follow destiny. But the reality of it is, is that the character of the people was the difference maker. 
They, 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 they did not develop in their character and, and, and the Lord talked to them and showed them and taught them and, and tried to, to, to help them to understand you've got to make some changes in your life, in your character, who you are, how you believe, your trust in me, but they just couldn't do it. And so for you, the journey to your destiny should be a work that is taking place in your life and in my life. Each and every day, we should be looking and moving forward. Uh, we should be trying to move you know, in what it is that God wants us to do, taking steps of obedience, and we should be overcoming, and we should be transforming. Look at what it says here in Romans 8, 29. It says that from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him and all uh, along he knew uh, would, should come should become like his son. And that's really the point of that is, is that we should become like his son. We should become like Jesus. That's what our lives should embody is, is that this, this intention of becoming like him, to be changed, to grow, to mature, to, to develop, to be transformed into Christ's character. Each and every day, each and every year, we should, as we, as we get older, we should be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Our character should be that of Jesus. And so your destiny depends on character. And our goal as a believer and as people who desire to be used by God should be Christ-likeness. And so what, what, is, what is character? You know, well, the, def the dictionary defines character as attributes or features that make up and distinguish an individual. Attributes or makeup that distinguish a character, uh, an individual. Character in the Latin is this. The Latin word for character means mark or a distinct quality. A mark or a distinct quality. What is your mark? What is it that makes up your attributes? What is distinctive to you? How are you known? How are you known to people? Are you kind and generous? Are you cold and unfriendly? Are you known to be a person that can be trusted with information? Or are you a person that is known as an untrustworthy person that people don't tell things to? Are you honest or are you deceitful? Are you dependable or are you undependable? Are you generous or are you greedy? Are you genuine or are you fake? Are you loyal or are you a gossip? Are you gracious or are you critical and judgment, judgmental? Are you optimistic or are you pessimistic? These are some definitions and some adjectives that, that may define how people describe you. And so whether we like it or not, you are absolutely known. There are distinctive attributes and marks in each and every one of us. You know, Paul told the Corinthians that we are a book that is read and known by men. Did you know that? That you are like a book that is read and known by men. When, when people look at your life and when they look at how you walk and they look at how you talk and, and, and the life that you live and the word that you have or the word that you don't have, you are known and read of men. 
They, they go away from you and they walk away from you saying that person is gracious or that person is kind or that person is loving or they walk away from that person knowing or, or saying that they're not gracious, they're not kind. I wouldn't, I wouldn't entrust any information to that person because they can't be trusted. So we are absolutely known by men. You know, when I, was, when I think about this point of being known I'm th- I think of, of a man who uh, was a part of my life for many, many years, and his name was Terrell Klon. And, and some of you guys know Terrell. The first memory, or one of the very first memories I have of Terrell was riding in the bucket of his case tractor uh, over a bunch of cattle, feeding cattle. And at, at that point, I had great, great confidence in Terrell because he did not dump the bucket and me into you know, the manure and all the cattle. So I had a great confidence in Terrell. But, you know, through the years, I watched Terrell just in his faithfulness to mom and dad and to the church and to his wife and family and uh, just so committed. I mean, just, you know, a man of his word, a soft-spoken man, just, um, I mean, I could go on. I could go on and on and on. But, you know, he was known. That's how he was known. And I, I'll never forget sitting in here during his funeral and, and one of the girls stood up and said that, I want to get this right, that, that he loved us fiercely. And, and that has stuck with me for, for all of these years, just that he was known. He was known by me. He was known by his daughters because of his character, because of who he was, because of what he did week in and week out and through his life. And, and you know, and, and uh, one of the things that, that is really amazing was is that after he passed, I heard a story that he worked at the bank and trainer for many years, but Terrell would show up to work early and be found sitting in the parking lot praying for the bank. And sometimes on his lunch break, he would go out to his truck and he would pray. And he did the same thing here, you know, on Tuesday mornings and, and uh, you know, and, and so my point is, is that it wasn't just a church thing. He didn't, he wasn't just known at church as, oh, it's just Terrell, you know, that he was faithful because he did a job or he did this or he ushered or, or whatever. No, it, his life was out beyond. It was what people saw. It was how he was known. He was read of men and he was known of men. He had a mark that was on his life because of the decisions and the choices that he made. And, uh, and we too have a mark. That mark might be like Terrell, or that mark may not be even close to Terrell. And, and only you or the people that are close to you can, can really define or, or, or help you to understand that mark. And if we're honest with ourselves, we all have to understand that we, we you know, I'm sure per- Terrell wasn't perfect. I mean, Deanna could probably say that, you know, but, but man, by and large, the mark of his life I mean, I actually verified that story and they said at the bank, they still have time, you know, blocked out in a week to pray for the bank. And you know why? It was because they saw another man praying for a bank that didn't even belong to him. He prayed for it. That to me is a mark of character. That is, that to me is, is a an amazing example of, of how we should live our lives when it comes to, to faithfulness and committedness. Like, like, will we be known? Will I be known as a dad that prayed? Will I be known as a dad that, that raised my kids well? Well, you know, how will I be known? How will you be known? And so, 
We, we will be known, whether you, whether you realize it or not, you're going to be known. And so it's imperative that, that we understand what our character makeup is really like. Know that character is more than talk. Knowing that, saying that you're going to do something and saying that you're going to be somewhere or saying that you have my word is not character. It's more than talk. It's a choice in private, in public, with friends, with family, with coworkers. The choices that you make mark you. They make up your character. It is, character is the habits, the things that you and I do over and over and over again. The actions are a real indicator of our character. And what's really amazing is, is that our action and our character cannot be separated. Whatever I do consistently is my character. Whatever you do consistently is your character. And character is our most important asset. And in your notes, real character is being bigger on the inside. You know, I, I, when I think about this point of being bigger on the inside, you know, the, the, and I told the men uh, a couple, well, it'd been a week ago, I spoke about character. And, and in the small groups that we're starting uh, today and in the following weeks, we're talking about character. Because I really feel like the Lord wants to do something. And we have to understand that character can be developed. If you don't have the mark on your life that, 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 that is um, honoring to God, that, that, that you're proud of, that you think that when you stand before your heavenly father, he would say, well done, well done. You, you did have Christ likeness in your life. If you're, if you're not there, it's okay. We can develop. Character in our lives can be developed. It can be increased. It can be bettered. And, and we'll look at that here a little bit later. But the, 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 this real character is being bigger on the inside. And when I think about that, I think about Caleb. Because Caleb was, you remember how uh, uh, Moses sent in the 12 spies to spy out the land that God had promised to the children of Israel, right? And that's where we started. He had a destiny and he's like, listen, go in there, check it out. So they go in and they check it out and they come back and, and the, the spies are like, yep, everything is the way that God said it was, but... But that's not what Caleb and Joshua did. Man, they, they stood up and they, you know, had all these antics and they're trying to get people's attention and they're trying to help them to understand. It says in Numbers 14 that, 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 that Caleb had a different spirit. You could say that, da, that Caleb had a different character. I want to be known like Caleb. I want to be known that I have a different character. We're surrounded by a world that, 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 that places no value on character, no value on word, no value on actions. They, they, they think nothing of it. But what they don't realize is that their words and actions and how they, how they are living are absolutely forming the mark that they have in this life. Caleb had a different character. A, he was bigger on the inside. Character is so important. You will never, I, I'll say it again, you will never rise above the limitations of your character. When our character is flawed and we fail to identify and correct our character, it will absolutely derail, disqualify, limit, keep, restrict us from the plan of God in our lives. If we have issues, if there's things, you know, he'll lovingly help us. He'll lovingly guide us. He'll lovingly show us. But man, we have to address it. We have to, we have to deal with it. And when, when we see this in numerous people throughout the Bible who were restricted by the flaws of their character, the cracks 
in their character. The first one that I can think of is, is King Saul. You remember King? He, king Saul was the first king of Israel. He was anointed to be uh, you know, the king of Israel and God commanded him to destroy everything, all of the Amalekites, all of, all, everything. But he made a fatal, flawed uh, uh, mistake. He kept back, he, he, he saved the life of some of the leaders and he took the best you know, livestock. He spared the king and kept the best livestock. And Samuel came and confronted him and he didn't do anything about it. That is character flaw, he disobeyed. And what we see in King Saul's life is, is that this, this uh, flaw of character cost him something. It cost him his future. So we can see firsthand in our lives and in King Saul's lives, if, if we have character flaws and we don't deal with them, they potentially could cost us our future. They could potentially cost us our destiny. And, and another one that comes to mind is Lot. You remember, you guys remember Lot? He was the nephew of Abraham. And, uh, you know, Abraham and Lot, they had a lot of, you know, uh, livestock. And so they decided to split and go their separate ways. And it said that Lot chose a land down by Sodom. He chose to live near Sodom. Another way you could say it was is that he chose to be close to sin. He chose by his own admission, that's where I want to be. I want to live for God, but I want to, have a, I want to be real close to what it is that's going on in the world. And he, he, he positioned himself too close to sin. And, and we know the result of that is, is that... Um, is that he was warned to flee, but he compromised his faith by choosing to be close to sin. And, and, and character, God called us to live a set-apart life. He, he calls us to resist temptation and not be like Lot, not live close to sin, not live you know, you know, right where the, you know, there's really a hard way of trying to determine the difference between us and the world. We can't live close to sin. And what we see for Lot is, is that it, it, the cost was is that it destroyed his family. We're still talking, guys. We're talking about flawed character, how if we have flaws in our character, it will cost us. And for Lot, it cost him a destroyed family. You know, remember King Solomon? King Solomon was known for his wealth and his wisdom, but he had a character flaw, and that was a love of foreign women. He married wives from other nations when God commanded him not to. And, and these women caused King Solomon's heart to be drawn away from, from his love for God. And, and ultimately what for, for King Solomon it cost him was spiritual decline, spiritual decline. Samson, you guys remember Samson? He was the judge of Israel, blessed with strength, but he also had the flaw of, of women. He compromised by marrying a Philistine woman and, 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 and gave in to, uh, um, uh, temporary pleasure and the cost for him was a downfall in life. These men had great attributes. There are attributes that we would say were great about these men, but what we see is, is that these character flaws limited them in the destiny that God had on, our, on their lives. And so we have to remember this, that compromise will absolutely cost us everything. I, I know that, that as believers, we want what it is that God has in store for us. We want that destiny. We want his, his full blessing in our lives. And he wants, us, he wants that for us. But we have to understand that, that when we are giving into these compromises of character, 
When we, when we don't deal with them, we are limiting ourselves. We're limiting our lives. It, it's, it puts a restriction on us. My, my son, Will, has this little dirt bike. And on this dirt bike, when you don't want him to go fast, you take this little screw and you screw it up in there so that he can only, he can only go so fast. And that's a good thing for Will. We don't want him going full speed. It's the, it's the throttle for the motorcycle. And so when you, when you go down, it will restrict how fast how fast you're gonna get there. The other night I was on it, I look ridiculous on this thing. My wife might post a picture of that for you. I was on it and it wasn't going fast enough. So what did I do? I took the screw out. I took the, the restriction out, threw it, and just gave it all it had, man. I'm flying across the yard. And that's the thing with compromise, is that when we compromise in our life, we are restricting our life from all that God has for us. And so we have to understand that to be the case. Character keeps us on the road to our destiny. Proverbs 10, 9 says this in the Amplified. He says that he who walks in integrity and with moral, moral character walks securely. I want to walk securely. It doesn't promise me that I'm never going to have trials and tribulations and tests. No, tests actually produces character how we handle tests, how we handle trials, how we handle things absolutely does increase our character. But, but what was said here is, is that we walk securely. Another version in Proverbs says that moral character makes for smooth travel. I wanna, I wanna have a life that has smooth travel. I wanna get there quickly. I wanna get there efficiently. I wanna get there. I want the Lord to, to, to say, you did it all. You did, you did what I had for you. You did your purpose, your plan, your destiny that was on your life. You got there. And I want him to say that for you too. And so we have to understand that character is what keeps us on that road. When we are developing our character and identifying those cracks and dealing with them correctly, it keeps us on the road. I can, I, this is a great quote from Miles Monroe. It says that character is the most powerful force a person can possess because it protects his life, his leadership, and his legacy. It manifests who he is and shapes who he will become. Our character does that. It protects us and it manifests us and it shapes who we will become. You know, you remember Abraham, he was told to leave, his, leave the land where he was living and he did, he obeyed. Not only that, he said, the, the, the Lord said, I want you to sacrifice your son. What did he do? He had every intention of doing it. He obeyed. And so for, for him, there was there was great character in his life. You guys remember Joseph? You know, the story of Joseph, Joseph was is that he was hated and he was thrown into a pit. He was sold to, to um, some traitors. And the thing that we see in, in Joseph's life was is that character works hard. And here's why. Because it didn't matter that he had been sold into slavery and that he was in this, this, this house. What did he do? He just said, well, this is where I am. I'm gonna, I'm gonna begin to do what it is that I know to do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put in my best effort. I'm going to allow the Lord to promote me and give me increase. And, 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 and he did. He got raised up to a point of, of leadership as a slave. And then we saw that Potiphar's wife came on to him and wanted a relationship with him. And what do we see? We see Joseph say, uh-uh, no, no, I ain't going there in, my, in that. 
I am not about, he didn't say, I don't want to sin against my master. He said, I don't want to sin against God. And so what we see here is, is that in his character, that character runs from temptation. He, he was falsely accused and committed to honor uh, God to his own hurt. His character, our character and his character obeys God. In prison, he continued to work hard. He got promoted. Then he was forgotten by a couple servants of the king. Can you imagine being in that place where you're just, you're forgotten? That would be the true test of your character. It's like, I knew it. I knew those guys would forget me, but he didn't. And so for two years, he just continued to do what it is that he knew to do because he had godly character. And so character does right when, does the right things when it's hard and when it's easy. And that's what our character needs to do. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's hard or if it's easy. If, it, if the Lord's you know, speaking to us, he's wanting better for our, for our lives. So I wanna give you four things. I wanna close with four things that will help you to identify those cracks within your character and help you begin to take steps to develop godly character. And number one is this, that we need to search for cracks. You know, we need to identify where it is that we cut corners, where it is that we compromise, where it is that we let people down, and we need to write them down. Oh, man, I did this. It's challenging. It's eye-opening. But it helps you to see what those flaws and what those cracks really are. Those things that, that you do. I'm not saying make a list of a hundred things. I'm saying pick the top four things in your character that you are continually doing over and over and over again where you are convinced, man, this isn't right. The Holy Spirit's, he, he, he's, he's, he's trying to get your attention and, 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 and you, you're left with sadness and, or disappointment, maybe in some cases shame. But you just say, you know what? I'm gonna write these things down. The next thing is, is we look for patterns, particular areas, the type of problems that, that are re resurfacing. Number three is face the music. Man, we need to apologize. We need to go to a spouse. It could be a friend, it could be a coworker. It could just be, you know, your heavenly father that you need to go to him and in and, and all sincerity and, 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 and with your whole heart. It's like, Lord, I surrender. I surrender this to you because we have to face the music. And then finally, we have to rebuild. Create a plan that will prevent you from making the same mistake. You know, on that same piece of paper that you listed, just write down, write down some scriptures that you're led to. Write down some scriptures that really, that, that address what it is that you're saying. Maybe it's, you know, keeping your word or being a, a person of your word or following through or, or being faithful or being diligent. There's, there's all kinds of scriptures. Write those things down and, and, and maybe go over them every single day. That could be your plan, that you remind yourselves of what it means to be a husband or remind yourself of what it means to be a wife so that, that you can come up in that area of your life that you were lacking. And I believe that as you do that, God will help to develop. He'll help to increase your character, help you to rise up. You'll begin to see God pour new things into your life as a result of dealing with the things that he has, has instructed you with. But I believe those steps, they're, 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 they're systematic, right? You, you, you might be here but there's things that he wants you to deal with so that he can allow you and allow you to, to be promoted, to open up that door or, or so to speak, take the governor 
off of your life in that area. Or, or if you've ever driven a motorcycle, shift to another gear, you know? Shift to another gear in life of, of anointing and influence within your life and within your marriage where you, or, or in your business, no matter what it is, he wants to take you to another area. But there, there's consistency, there's faithfulness, there's obedience. I think that that's one thing that we saw in many of these men's lives, that it was that step of obedience, that step of doing something. You know, for Samuel, or I'm sorry, for King Saul, Samuel came to him, said, hey, you made a mistake. Now he could have repented. He could have made the decision, I made a mistake. Remember, David did the same thing. He sinned and Samuel came to him. And what did he do? He made the adjustment. He made the change. And, and so for us, the same thing is true. The Lord is, is helping you. He's showing you what it is that you need to do. But until you take that step of obedience, and, and say, Lord, I want my character to increase. I want my character to grow. I want to become more mature. I want to leave this thing that I continue to do behind me. Until you do that, he can't, he can't move for you and in you. And so today with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're just gonna take this moment to, to, to just, as we said, face the music in our life, face the music. We have to face the music. And so today, just in your, your, as your head's bowed and your eyes are closed, just to God, say, Lord, this is, you know this, you know what's going on. And Father, we come to you today as we pray over this time, as we pray over this message, as we pray over what it is that, that you have spoken to our hearts, Lord, I, I pray for each and every person that's in this place. And Father God, I just ask you to help them. Help them, Father God, to identify those, those things in their character that you are dealing with them about. And I just want to do this. If you're that person here today and you, you, you recognize that you really ultimately you're far from God, or maybe you haven't made a decision to know him as your Lord and Savior, and you're saying, Brian, that's me. I need to, I need to know him and I need to come back. If you're that person and you're far from him and you want to become close to him, just raise it up and say, just you can raise it up and put it right back down. Is there anybody in here that, that you feel like in your heart you're far from him and you want to become close? Anybody at all? Anybody at all? All right. Well, Father God, I just come before you and I thank you. I thank you, Father God, for the Holy Spirit and how he has spoken to our hearts and to our lives. And I pray, Father God, for um, the, the work that you wanna do in each and every one of us in developing our character. And Father God, I just thank you that you're helping us. You're strengthening us, Father, to do exactly that. I thank you that in these days to come, Lord, that we will have victory in these areas. We will increase. And as we do that, as we obey, as we surrender our lives, Lord, I thank you that you will promote and you will bless us as a result. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Well, hey, I hope you got something out of today. I believe that you did. I encourage you to go home and, and, and just, you know, don't, don't let this go. You know, a lot of times we drift. We drift off and we drift away from what it is that, that he has spoken to our hearts and there's no adjustment, there's no change made. 
We have to say, no, we gotta hold on to it. We gotta say, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that note on my desk. I'm gonna leave that note beside my, my bed. I'm gonna leave that note in my Bible. And I'm gonna begin to rehearse and, 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 and look at what it is that he spoke to me because I value what it is that he said and I want change. And he will. And so today we're gonna, we're gonna celebrate uh, baptism with some families and some, some, uh, some people that have made Jesus the Lord of their life. Amen. It's going to be good. They're going to, they're going to uh, come out here. We've got four children that are going to be baptized that, that, that are making a public decla- declaration of their life in Jesus. Amen. And so we're going to have you guys stand and we're going to sing a song as they're being baptized and let's just cheer for them as they're being baptized and just, uh, um, celebrate with their decision. Amen. Amen.